0: I'm Julie Lamb, a therapist turned life and business coach. In all my years as a therapist and coach, I have seen that true healing and growth comes from understanding your greatest asset, your brain. To manage your life and business, you first have to manage your mind. I'm here to help you figure out what the hell is my brain doing? Hello, my friends, and welcome back to what the hell is my brain doing? I am really excited about today's podcast because I'm bringing my good friend Darlene here. Darlene is a parent coach that works really to help you as a parent to raise emotionally resilient children. And I love the whole premise of her program. And so we're going to talk about that in a minute too. But I wanted to kind of share why this is something that's been coming to my mind, my attention that I wanted to bring her on for. So as many of you know, I do have two kids that are on the autistic spectrum and they really struggle with emotions. And emotions are definitely something that we as parents tend to struggle with as well. Let's put it that way. And I, I have noticed that this has been a really challenging time for my kids. They are eight and nine as we've had to navigate post COVID, post everything. And I just thought, you know, I have learned so many things just as I know about the brain and what that looks like, but I thought, you know, sometimes it really helps to get somebody that works with that more often than I do to give that perspective. And so that's why I thought, you know, Darlene's the perfect person for this. So I wanted to invite you all to just sit back and listen and really gather all the little pieces that you can that will help you to know how to navigate your brain so that you can then navigate helping your children as well. So with that, Darlene, how about you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you?
1: Oh, Thank you, Julie. Um, And hello, everybody. Yes, I'm Darlene Childress, and I am a life coach and parenting expert is sort of how I talk about it, because I do have a lot of strategies for parents to help their kids listen, build routines, get their kids to bed, get them out the door, right? All those good parenting strategies, setting limits up and things like that. And I've been doing this a long time, since 2012. And what I found is that I would teach parenting strategies. And then parents would say to me, oh, these are all amazing. But when I go to do them, I forget everything you taught me. (laughs) (laughs) And they'd say, it's great when I can remember how to set a limit. Like I have this limit setting formula and I have a conversation about restitution and for like consequences without punishment, all these amazing tools, parenting tools. But when you are overwhelmed and stressed and your brain does whatever it's going to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> it cuts off access to thinking, as I'm sure you've talked about, you know, in in your podcast and we become reactive and, you know, we come and become, you know, we'll talk more about this, but like this impulsive place that we just sort of go wherever, you know, we respond to our children's behavior in ways like either neural pathways that are very old and deep from our own childhood, or mm-hmm. we react from like catastrophizing their behavior, all of those things, which we will get into. (laughs) And so what I recognized was, huh, how can I help these parents put in place all of these amazing parenting strategies? What do they need? What's the gap? What's, What's missing here? And I realized it was a lot about emotional regulation in the parents. And that's when I became a life coach. When I added that mindset piece and that you know, nervous system and emotional regulation and all of that to my work and start teaching that as alongside of the parenting. And that's when my clients start to really see huge shifts in their families. And so I am like the calm mama coach, right? I just really teach about becoming calm. And that's not just the absence of yelling, right? <laughs> <laughs> we start yeah. with that, but really the strategies that you teach on your podcast to your listeners of. How to manage our minds, how to manage our emotions, how to express them in ways that are appropriate. So I teach what now I call the calm mama process. And it starts with calm. And that's all about the parents and their emotions. Hmm. And then the second part is connect. And that's all about the kids and their emotions. And then we have limits set and correct. And so that I bring in all of those pieces. And that is what creates that emotionally resilient child and that emotionally healthy family. So that's where, that's what I do. And that's, you know, what we're here to talk about is like the calm and connect piece, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I love the name of your program, the
0: Calm Mama School, because Mm -hmm. I think it's just like you hit, it's not just yelling. It's being able to literally take a breath and being able to say, how do I want to handle this? Like, what does this really want to look like? And so you mentioned several things that of course we're going to go deeper into. And that is when you talk about, these neural pathways and our brain's natural reaction to conflict and to Mm -hmm. the drama, the, you know, the emotions. So walk us through what that looks like from a parent's perspective, but I actually want to know if you know from that child's perspective, Mm -hmm. what that really looks like too. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. The thing that is funny about raising kids is that in any circumstance in life where if you had someone yelling at you, or hitting you, or throwing things at you, or slamming doors, or Mm -hmm. falling on the ground, screaming, kicking, your brain would say, holy crap, we're in a lot of danger here, and we are (laughs) under attack, and this is a very bad situation. And of course, your nervous system would activate your stress response. Rightly so. Mm -hmm. Like I was once at Universal Studios and this man attacked a stranger inside the candy shop. And (laughs) it was a very like stressful situation. And everyone in the room, like, you know, in the candy shop, like screamed and yelled and ran. And, you know, one person went to like, you know, get the aggressor off of the victim. And that is what we are supposed to do, Mm -hmm. right? When somebody is attacking us. Yeah. When we're threatened. What happens is our brain, our amygdala, right? It scans for hazards. It's always like, I always think of it as like a guard in a watchtower and it's like up at the top and it's looking and like, are we safe? Are we okay? Or what's going on? If it's, you know, scanning for hazards and it it misinterprets your children's behavior as hazardous, as dangerous, as a problem, as an emergency. And that's when we react. Mm -hmm. And that's the training that is required. Of a parent is to retrain your natural instinct which is to protect yourself defend yourself and see misbehavior or even just behavior differently mm-hmm. so that you don't react in the first place
0: yeah i think that's a really a really important part is that we view this behavior from a child as danger mm-hmm. and as i've talked about before when we view danger our whole system wants to get away from it or our whole system wants to figure out how to never have this happen again mm-hmm. and so it's like we're almost trying to control and manage these little people mm-hmm. all the time so they never have outbursts they never have mm-hmm. problems and they never like express any emotion and i am one of those therapists that i really struggle with diagnosing children and mm-hmm. Like medicating children, because I think sometimes we do that when really it's the parents that we need to be looking at. I, their behavior might be perfectly fine, but we as yeah. the parents are not able to handle it or the teachers or the community at large because we expect certain people to act a certain way, be a certain way. And we put that expectation on these children. And mm-hmm. I also think one of the points that you put out is really important is the children you have to realize are doing the exact same thing. And they are viewing everything as danger as well. And so when this parent figure comes at them with, little Johnny, how dare you? I can't believe you did this. They're viewing that and saying, oh, this is danger to me as well. And then they learn not only is their behavior like something's wrong with them, which brings in that internal shame, but also they don't know if they can trust that figure above them Mm -hmm. because they look at that and say, wow. I, I must be really, really bad and you're danger to me at this point. Mm-hmm. So when you, you know, we can recognize that and we can acknowledge that, but obviously right in the situation, this is a very difficult thing to, to be aware of and, and walk through. So when you walk your parents through this whole process, what clicks, like what, what makes it finally click for them mm-hmm. to say, Oh, this is what I do in that situation.
1: Yeah. I teach a concept called the pause break, and it's a very specific tool to catch yourself Mm -hmm. and pause and there's a lot of indications for most parents it's yelling but sometimes it's mama logging that's what I call it where you just start talking and like it's lecturing Mm -hmm. and comparing them to their sibling or comparing them to other kids it could be emotionally checking out separating yourself from your child going on your phone you know that's not always a bad thing it's actually one of the things I want sometimes for you to do is to get to neutral yeah if if you find yourself in any of these patterns, we're going to build awareness around them. Like, what do you do when you're upset? There's so much intelligence and wisdom in what do you do? Like, what does Julie do? What does Darlene do? What do we do when we are overwhelmed or frustrated by our kids' behavior? Mm-hmm. And I have a couple of tools where we call it like my my, my, my mad mom episode. And then there's also called um, one called What the Fuck Just Happened? Yeah. And it's like to go back and reflect on what was going on. And part of those exercises is also to help us understand what was happening for the kid and why they got triggered and what was going on for them. And that's really important. I really want to talk about that. Yeah. You cannot offer a compassionate space to your children when you are in an activated stress response. Yeah. It's it's impossible because your mind is telling you you are unsafe and you're doing all this stuff to protect yourself. So we do have to get calm before we can show up as that, like, I think of it as compassion, but showing up for our kids in a way that we teach them how to manage their emotions. We cannot do that when we are in ours. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And obviously these are tools that we I've talked about before for many mm-hmm. of you,
0: how to calm, how to recognize the, mm-hmm. those aspects, but you hit on the kid part. Let's go there because yeah. I think... As parents, we have these fun standards, we're going to call it, where we feel like we have to be the best parent. We have to be always on it. And you know what? First of all, let's all just admit, we're all going to mess up, (laughs) but we're all going to, you know, it's all, it's all, and it's all okay. Mm -hmm. But let's look at the kids from the kids' perspective there a little bit. When you talked about their nervous system and their regulations, I would love to talk about all of that when it comes to the kids and what you see as the most important thing or even some of the important things to help our kids during those moments.
1: Yeah, so good. Well, I always frame all of this with the concept of emotional literacy. So when we talk about building emotionally resilient humans, right? what are we talking about? What do we mean? And I think of emotional literacy as three parts and a plus. (laughs) So it's, I know what I'm feeling. That's part one. I know how to talk about it and I know what to do with it. And then the plus is I can do that for someone else. And so it really does work like that in those stages and helping our kids first know what they're feeling. I love to think about how we teach kids the names of colors or the names of letters. Mm. We point out, this is green, this is blue, this is yellow, this is an A, this is a B, this is a number one, this is a number two, right? Mm -hmm. We first start with naming those things. And then we build on like what to do with those things. What do you do with the letter A? What do you do with green? What can you do with it, right? Or what can you do with the number three? And we do need to teach our children what it is called. The messy thing inside has a name. And we have to spend time teaching that to them. Yeah, And that's part of a connection is I developed this tool called the connection tool, and it's very intentionally a simple way of describing that name or naming that and helping the child identify. And it it really is looking at the outside, what you can see. Mm -hmm. So if you have a kid screaming. (laughs) or yelling, I hate you, or complaining, or, you know, whatever they do. There's usually, you can make a pretty good guess of what the feeling might be based on the behavior. Yeah. And so we say, I hear you saying that you hate your sister. I wonder if you're feeling sad that she's at the party without you. So we're naming that messy thing that's coming out through the words. Mm -hmm. I saw you hit your brother. I wonder if you were feeling a little bit angry that he took your toy earlier. Yeah. So they get words.
0: You know, you say that and it's interesting. Uh, my children are in like speech therapy specifically to learn this pragmatic language, as it's mm-hmm. called, to identify the emotions, to identify what that looks like, what mm-hmm. they're feeling inside and then putting it into words. And I feel like my children have almost this advantage a little bit because they have, they've been <laughs> learning this for so long but a lot of kids don't. It's just assumed that they all understand emotions and then they all understand what to do with that. And even though my kids are learning those things, they still have to every now and then, okay, they slam a door. It sounds like you're angry. Like, Mm -hmm. let's talk about this because kids don't just naturally know every single emotion that comes their way. And we (laughs) can't expect them to either.
1: Well, yes, I think that you're right. Like there's a disservice in some ways for neurotypical kids, as we call them, or, you know, um, not neurodiverse, is that there's an assumption, is underlying assumption that they like know how to move through the world and with conflict and big feelings and, you know, overwhelm and stress response. And no, it's not the way. I mean, yes, I think kids can learn to read and can learn to do numbers and can do learn to do these things. They do need basic literacy though. They do need someone to sit and say, this is a letter a and it goes, ah, I yeah, do. it always, And for some reason, emotional literacy is just not a focus in school or, you know, we're working on it as coaches and therapists. But in general, parents don't know that they ought to be teaching this because it's not modeled anywhere else. It's not really communicated. So there's some social emotional development happening in schools, but it's hit or miss. It's not necessarily quality. And it's just part of our responsibility as parents if we want them to be emotionally healthy when they're adults well, I, you know if you don't care <laughs> i know <laughs> if you if you just want
0: them to be in my office when they're in their 20s come on you know come on there you go that's
1: how that works <laughs> yeah my my vision is to heal the next generation in advance yeah and i think of this like how do we do that? What does that mean? I don't think that going to therapy is a terrible thing. I would like all 20s and 30 year olds to have life coaches and therapists. Yes, I'm a, yeah. I'm sign me up. I want that, but I don't want them to have to relearn, like to learn all these skills or to unlearn a bunch of negative patterns. That mm-hmm. is the detriment. That's when it takes a lot more time yeah. to recover from your childhood. Mm-hmm. Let's like make it so they don't have to recover. Yeah, and I think this
0: is so critical for parents. You know, we're always worried. Oh, I'm going to mess up my kids, or mm-hmm. my kids have to be a certain way, or everything to that effect. And you know, I I do joke. Oh, it's fine. They'll just be in my office later. <laughs> but I do think that that is critical that we look at this and say okay, we do want them to be emotionally resilient. And that Mm -hmm. isn't taught, you know, unless they're in certain programs or things that affect. So it's not taught. So it's up to us to learn how we identify our emotions, how we feel about them so that we can teach our children and I was always raised, too, to believe that there are emotions that you just have to, you can't have those emotions. Like you're not allowed to be that way or feel this way. You must be happy all the time, which is so much pressure. So yeah. imagine putting all that pressure on our kids and telling them you can only be happy, stop being sad, stop being angry, stop being whatever the emotion. And all that does is tell our children there are good emotions and bad emotions. And when I have the bad ones, I'm bad. Like it just... Yeah. Because the kids are so simple and almost in how they think about those things, because that's what you've told them. Don't have that emotion. It's bad. So therefore I must be bad.
1: I think that in general, parents, they're not actually saying that. It looks like it's a little bit more uh, subtle. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to talk about that for a second, because it looks a little bit like, well, let me just tell you, tomorrow's going to be a better day. You know, they're really sad, but you know that last week your friend invited you. And they'll probably invite you next week. And so you don't really need to feel sad today because you know that tomorrow will be better or it was better in the past. Like, remember? So we kind of try to soothe our kids in a way that is very disrespectful to the present moment of feeling the actual feeling. Yeah. So that's one of the ways that I see it is like promising new emotion. Mm-hmm. and like having them emotionally shift into that new emotion it's bypassing the moment and parents do that because it is very difficult to watch our kids be in pain yes mhm it is i call it like sit in the suck and just being willing to be comfortable with our children's discomfort mm-hmm. and that is one of the most valuable things that we can give our kids is the space to process a negative emotion in our presence. Yeah, It's being a compassionate witness. We're not a participant, nor are we solving it.
0: Oh, I love that. Not the participant, nor are we solving. Because Just as you said that, I think the more present we are with our own selves, like in this moment, the future is going to work its way out because we're here. Mm-hmm. But also the past has a way of gently coming to remind you, whether it's the good, the bad, whatever it is, it's such a gentle reminder to yourself that I'm here right now and I am allowed to feel, think, and do all that right now because whether it was the past or the future, it's all about the now. And I think that that's such a beautiful way of looking at that too with with our children. Mm
1: -hmm. For sure. And I would like to talk about a bit. Another thing that parents do is they gratitude their children. They I think of it as weaponizing gratitude. Uh huh. And you know maybe they are frustrated or hurt or something, and they say, "Well, at least you can blank." Yeah. Like you know, at least you have a loving family. At least you have a working body. At least you have a warm bed. At least it's like at leasting and gratituding our way out. And I love gr- gratitude, and I love actually like looking to the future and finding hope. And that's part of the resilience and gratitude is part of the resilience. We mm-hmm. can't rush it. Like that character from Toy Story is like, you can't rush art. Right. I that. Like <laughs> I think about that sentence, like you can't rush feelings. You can't be in a hurry yeah. to get them to the next emotional state. I, I do believe that the brain will argue with itself a little bit and will start finding a new way Mm -hmm. to think and feel especially if you are validated if someone's like yeah and the child might say but it'd probably be okay right because like tomorrow's gonna i gotta go to school they might find their way on their own with their own thinking and feeling through the hard to the good Mm -hmm. it's that's their job anyway Mm -hmm. to find it yeah And and your brain
0: naturally will do that If you allow it, the more you Mm -hmm. try to shove it and say, do it this way and act this way, then the more that your brain is like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do anymore. Then your Mm -hmm. brain goes, I can't do this. Or what if I do this? And it brings up all of those things that you're trying to avoid in the first place. (laughs) We we just sit for the moment and say, oh, what am I feeling? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's big. That's this. Mm -hmm. And then your brain says, okay, yeah, but... We can do this or we could look at it this way. And it's all about, like you just said, that moment and then also being willing to say, we can figure out the answers if I can take a moment to just breathe through it and just Mm. think and allow rather than hurry. I think that's an important concept because we live in a a world of hurry. I feel like we're Mm. always rushing and I tell my kids they grow up way too fast they're not allowed to anymore <laughs> and they tell me I can't help it mom and but it's it's true how we we go through these situations that feel like we're just hurrying all the time we're trying so hard to get our kids through school and make this happen and with that mind I hate the phrase too that's always like you're going to miss this when this is you know no. when they're older and I'm like nope just stop let's let's yeah. all that But we don't have to be in such a hurry in those little moments as well.
1: Yeah. How to get out the door in time. And and what I think is really funny about this is that it actually is much more efficient and effective Mm -hmm. if you sit in the emotion for a beat and it passes so much faster. Yeah. Yeah. Like validation, our parents will think, oh, if I narrate a name, what is going on, then my kid's going to use it against me. They're going to get, have a crutch. They're going to, you know, it's going to turn like, oh yeah, you, and they're going to start complaining. Now, if there's a lot of unprocessed negative emotion that's been stuck for a while, because you've been shoving it with them, mm-hmm. it might come out It might take a bit. You might have a really long meltdown in the beginning when, when people work with me. I'm always like, let's just see what's under here. I'm like, let's find out. Like, let the yeah. kid go through. I call it a big feeling cycle. Let them go through their big feeling cycle. And your job as the parent is just to be a witness of it and actually kind of keep track of like, yeah. how long does it last? How does it end? So, my favorite questions to ask parents is how did it end? Very rarely do they remember. But if you're watching for it, you're like, "Ooh, here comes one Here comes <laughs> <laughs> meltdown. Here we go. Like, I really want us to get to a place where we're not afraid of them. Like you were saying earlier, like we want to prevent those from happening. I like to cr- almost instigate them because it's a great way to discharge emotional pent up stuff. And also for you to learn about your child. Mm-hmm. How do they automatically soothe? Are they kicking? Great. That's such good information for us. That means that their lower body needs to be involved in their stress response. Are they slamming? Are they going under a blanket? Are they grabbing a pillow? Like, what are they doing? What's happening? Are they on the ground? Okay, great. We know they got to get on the ground. Like, I love watching a big feeling cycle instead of participating and trying to stop it Mm -hmm. and learning from it. And then finding out what is it that my child needs to do naturally. Because when I said about emotional literacy, I know what I'm feeling. I know how to talk about it. And I know what to do with it. Yeah. And that's the thing that I think is so helpful about having a coach mm-hmm. in, in or, you know, having a parenting helper is that they get to say, oh, well, this is for my expertise. I can see your child is doing this behavior or this, and this is their soothing. And have you, why don't you add this into your Regular routine, because your child needs touch, they need compression, they need you know to move their lower body, they need to kick or punch, so then we build in those like regulation tools and they don't have as much pent up energy
0: i I really appreciate it I wanted to go back and just reiterate the things that you have talked about that mm-hmm. I think are so crucial, and that was the think, feel, and do mm-hmm. where we when you walk through that cycle, and I know that darling, you have lots of tools and helps that help people through that. And I just think if anybody can say, okay, I just have to think, feel, do that, that helps with that. And so we've talked about, I think the, the think and the feel. And so you mentioned the do, and I'd love Mm -hmm. to know a couple other things that you said, honestly, I'd never actually heard that. Oh, when they're kicking, that means their lower body has to be involved in the stress Mm -hmm. response. So let's talk to the parents who kids slam the door or the kids have the outbursts that you're going That is not, that's not okay.
1: (laughs) Okay, don't do that. (laughs) Stop it. Yeah, Yeah. we definitely are like that. Stop it. Like, you know, we want them to not do whatever their body is already doing to handle their stress. Yeah, And why it is so valuable to learn about ourselves is because we have behaviors that we do to cope. When your stress response is activated, your body is always involved because it has to move all that stress juice out of your body somehow, right? Can't mm-hmm. it? It's the brain is just this one organ and it needs some tools to regulate itself and it uses the body. And so, one of the things that I teach about resetting your stress response is noticing for yourself. Are you like, look at me, laugh at me. I said, look at me. You're like, oh, you really want some visual stimulation because you keep saying, look at me, or like your mouth is really clenched closed. Like maybe you need to be biting something or chewing something, or you like really want to hit your kid or you're slamming stuff. Like you probably need to be clapping your hands or shimmying your body in some way. So as the parent learns how to regulate their stress response with their body, Mm -hmm. then they can see when their child is doing it with their body. And it's like, You are slamming the door. Listen, the door jam is not strong enough for slamming, but you are welcome to slam blank. I don't know what it could be in your house. It could be, you're welcome to take this pillow and hit it against the wall five times. Or, hey, you want to slam? Slam that door real hard right now. Go. I want to see it. Oh, that wasn't very hard. Do it one more time. Really go for it. Mm -hmm. Because we're intentionally... Now, If you obviously, if you don't like that, don't do it. But we... Whatever works within our own family system, like how can I harness and intentionally use what the body is wanting to do in a way that is effective in moving the feelings out of the body? Yeah. One thing that I want to share that I've done with
0: my own children, like I've mentioned, I have big emotions that come from one of my children and she wants to get it out and you can see it, like Mm -hmm. the hands are clenched and, you know, she would do the slamming the doors and we would say, Hey, you can take it out on this pillow. You know, mm-hmm. here's something that you can punch. And what I noticed is that she sometimes would feel bad. She yeah. would say, Oh, I, but I don't want to hurt this or this is, you know, i was so, I'm so sorry. And so we actually had a punching bag and we're like, this is meant specifically for you to punch. And I noticed that when she could get that out, it was almost like relief would hit her because she knew that was 100% acceptable. That was what it's meant to do. And it was a place that she can go punch it out and get that energy out and then wear herself out essentially as she lets those emotions process through. And so absolutely, once we know what we need, it's, it is it is so easy to then watch our children and say, oh, this is a really good thing for you. And here's what how you can do it in your family, what will work for you. And might I suggest for those of us adults that have that same urge, punching bags are great <laughs> for adults <laughs> as well because it's, yeah. it's considered culturally acceptable to go and punch a punching bag rather than your child. Else. <laughs> <And> so,
1: <laughs> yes, not okay to hit your children.
0: No, um, no, it is not okay to do that.
1: I I have this concept and par- your parents' parents on your podcast would love it. It's like I just call it a big feeling basket. Mm. And we put together a corner in the house or a big basket and it has old books that they can rip up like old magazines that you can rip and it has a water bottle and it has gum and it has like one of those plastic microphones that you can scream into and it has pillows and squishies and different textured stuff and an old iPod with headphones, like what all different ideas so that your child, you teach it when they're not overwhelmed Yeah, (laughs) part of your family dynamic. You know, you would say, "Hey, in this family, feelings are okay, and we we really want to um, have safe ways to express those feelings." So we have this big feeling basket. And if you are really overwhelmed, I'm going to guide you towards it. I'm going to suggest one of these tools. So like, let's play with them. Let's find out what you like. What do you think? Like, when would you use this one? When would you use that one? And build up a family dynamic where it is okay to express emotions in this way. Yeah. So I think that's what gets difficult for parents is that they'll want to have their kids have these emotional regulation tools. They want their kids to have emotions, but not like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want our emotions to
0: be expressed in certain ways.
1: And so- yes, exactly. But how do we teach those ways? And I, you know, in general, most things are taught, like, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Like even in a marriage, right? You say like, please stop acting this way or, you know, and instead, when we say what we want. Like this is the behavior that is allowed. This is the request that I am making. It gives the brain a lot more ability to achieve because it has this vision for like, oh, I'm supposed to look like this. Yeah. So that's what these kinds of tools are helpful for is to give your kids an idea of what they are supposed to do. Instead of stop slamming, here's this instead, like what you do with your daughter yeah
0: I think those are there's so much beautiful things that we've talked about, so many incredible aspects that I think go back to just as you said the main thing is we need to make sure that we are emotionally regulated ourselves, and as we do that, we naturally will then be in tune to our children being emotionally regulated and being able to help them and so i I encourage everybody out there like. Look at your own emotional wellness, like what's going on there, your stress response cycles, and you'll see your kids do that. They mirror you, they mimic everything you do. And when you're saying, I know that this is an issue. This is a problem. This is something I need to address and look at. You've got lots of tools we've talked about that can help. But if you need more, then this is where, darling. How can somebody come and work with you and say, "Help me be a calm mama through this yeah. whole experience"?
1: Oh, so good. So the way my program is structured, it's you can find it on CalmMamaCoaching.com. dot com. And how I do it is I teach a small group, like 10 to 12 parents at a time in a three month course so that you learn all the tools live from me and you can ask questions in real time. And we go slowly enough that you're really, you know, one week we talk about your stress response and another week we talk about your tools and then your kids tool set, like, you know, different things over those three months. And then from that group, you have the basic foundation and then you work with me in my club membership for the full year afterwards, which is really great. Mm-hmm. And so I call that class Raise Emotionally Healthy Kids, and that's the best place to start is signing up for my course and Mm -hmm. it's taught live by me. It's not online. You know, there's all sorts of online resources, but what I've found is parents are real busy. Yeah. They don't necessarily have time to watch a bunch of videos, but you can say on Thursdays or on Wednesdays at 11 o'clock, I go to this class, I learn the tools, and then you have the support with me for that entire year. So that is all on calmmamacoaching.com. And I talk a lot about not yelling and regulating your own emotional responses with your kids, emotionally coaching your kids on my Instagram, which is at Darlin Childress. So those are the best places to hang out with me and learn more. It's so my website, Calm Mama Coaching, and my Instagram. I love it. And I also know that she has a podcast
0: for those of you that are listening as well. It's called Become a Calm Mama. And she has great tools, tips. I highly recommend. I have taken many of her tips as well. (laughs) Good. I I know. And so I really encourage you to, like she said, when we as parents, when we as individuals can be emotionally regulated ourselves, we then can help our children be emotionally regulated. You want emotionally resilient children? It all starts with you. And then that's how we best move forward. So. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much, darling, so for much. being here so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. And for everybody else, just remember, you know what your brain is doing. Your brain is telling you this is hard. I can't do this, but you know, it's not, you know, you can do this. So I encourage you all get into yourselves, regulate with your own self, and then your brain will naturally figure out all the problems ahead of you. So until next time, this is Julie Lamb with what the hell is my brain doing? If you love today's show, I would love for you to take a minute and give a five-star rating and a review. Subscribe and share with those that you know would love to learn more about managing their brains. If you're ready to join me, I want to invite you to coach with me where we uncover more about your brain so that you can have the life and business you dream about. Manage your brain is more than just a thought. It is a possibility. Go to www.julielamcoaching.com to learn more. this is how we do it. See you soon. Have a great day.